Hey there, everybody. Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to warn you that this episode is broken into two parts. So today will be the first 40 minutes of my conversation with Mr. Keto Neo himself. And the next half of the episode, we will be there. I will be dropping on next Monday. So be ready for that. Also, I have the 31 day primal challenge that launched, well, at least the registration for it launched today. So if you'd like to check out a little bit more about that, you can do so at thrivingonfat.com forward slash 31 day challenge. That's a mouthful and a lot to type. So link to that will be in the show notes. But I did want to be respectful of your time, so I didn't want to put out the whole entire episode. The second half will be dropping next Monday. So without further ado, enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Thriving on Fat podcast, as well as the One Take Stock. As always, I'm your host, Megan, and today I have special guest, Neil, on the line. Say hi, Neil. Neil, what's up? Oh, Neil, what's up? Yeah, me saying what's up. (laughs) Oh man, I mean, it's so funny when people ask me questions that are simple, right? Like, hey, what do you think about that? And I'm like, I don't really have a simple answer. Hope you're ready for that. Um, I like it. Yeah, well, I hope you do. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, looking to nothing, not even for a moment except to reason, elaborates on the fact that there should always be this moment in time that we are thinking through things before responding. And knowing that each moment we're given, we have the chance to decide in in which way we're going to respond or react to it means that we should never allow a situation to dictate our response, but we should always respond based on us dictating our response. So, I mean, whatever the situation is, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you know, the only one that interprets that is, is ourselves. You know, we have that opportunity to make whatever event happens into what it, what we want it to be. And so that's why I would say, look to nothing, not even for a moment, except to reason what it is that you want that view to be. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's awesome because I like the way that these Stoke quotes can really open up a lot of different conversations because you can take them a thousand different ways. I mean, you can really do that with any quote in general, but it's, I love talking to guests about these quotes because you just, you always get something completely different each time. And it's, it's so important because it's just, it's looking, everything you said is a hundred percent true because it's just, it's the only thing we control is our reactions. We we can't even control what, what's given to us. We can't control most things that we perceive that are in our control. Heck, even our bodies per, you know, some uh, at some times can be completely out of our control, but the only thing we can do is adjust and try to right the ship as much as we can. And I just, 
Yeah, agreed. No, I mean, seriously, I've read some quotes I've read a million times and depending on when I've read them have completely taken on new meaning. So I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been doing the uh, One Take Stoke podcast for about three months and I know eventually I'm going to come up to the exact same quote I've talked about before. And it's, it's awesome because you'll take one quote and you'll apply it to your life in a specific manner. And then a few months down the road, you're a completely different person. So you perceive the exact same quote in a whole new life. It's almost like, you know, reading another awesome book, but you're like, Hey, I did not realize that subtle nuance that's in this paragraph that, you know, this author put it and it's, I love these quotes. They're just, they're amazing. (laughs) They are anything that stimulates the thought. It's awesome. Yeah. And I just, the stoicism mindset and just all of that stuff in general. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have thought about it in the same way had I not had the mental clarity that, you know, like, keto and stuff has been able to give me because I deal with ADHD generally (laughs) and just, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. ADHD. I feel like (laughs) growing up for me, I had ADD, ADHD and every other acronym you could think of before it was ever like a diagnosed thing. So I'm with you. Oh yeah. My, uh, my brother has it. My sister has it. I have it. My dad has it. And it's, I didn't realize why I would bounce off the walls as much as I did. And then once I kicked the sugar, grain, gluten, and nonsense out of my diet, I was like, hey, so is this how everybody feels? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right? And then I look back on it and I'm like, my God, how did I function? <sighs> Coping mechanisms, got to love them. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> All righty. Well, that's a bit about the one take stoic. Now, sir, let's get into you. Who is Keto Neo? You know, as we were talking about the stoic aspect of things, you asked the question and you could say, oh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to interpret and respond to and have it impact you. And so when people ask me, like, who is Keto Neo? Every time someone asks me that question, it, it causes me to literally look inside myself and ask me, I don't, you know, who am I right now? Who am I today? Who, who have I been? And how has my adjustment continued? Because I feel like it's one of those things that is ever evolving. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'm going to start with the whole reason why I named myself Keto Neo, you know, the self-proclaimed prophecy that is Keto Neo. Um, you know, for me, Keto has completely changed my life. Um, it, it truly has caused me to be a newer revived version of myself. And so because keto did that and because Neo means new and or revived, you know, the merger (laughs) is how the name was formed. Um, You know, walking out this keto journey and and it really is a journey. Like I, I try to get everybody to truly understand that it's not a diet. It's not even a lifestyle. It truly is a journey. And it's something that is every evolving as you evolve and change such as life. Right. So for me, you know, knowing that my life has forever been changed by keto and by going through that journey, you know, that's why the name is what it is. That's why Keto Neo is is me and who and how I identify myself. That is awesome. I love that it's just a constant rebirth and changing and adapting. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, it's not a, 
you know, I hope when, you know, three years from now, five years from now, a month from now, when I want another podcast and someone asks me that question, you know, I want the principles to be the same, but I don't want to look at myself at that point in time and be the same person I am right now. You know, I, I, I do not in any way, shape or form want to be the same person I am tomorrow as I am today. You know, I am constantly trying to challenge myself, grow through and develop into, you know, truly becoming the best version of myself. And in all honesty, I'm totally aware of the fact that I will never arrive at that destination. But therefore, itself is not a destination. It's a it's a journey, right? The thing that continues to allow me to evolve and grow and develop and, you know, continue striving for not perfection, but just for growth, just for something better tomorrow than right now. Yeah, almost the idea of constant self-optimization, but it it seems almost when you think of it that way, it's it almost seems taxing, but really it's not. It's just expect, expecting the best of yourself and understanding that yeah, we we have slip ups. That's what a journey is. You're going to have setbacks and you're gonna have slip ups and things don't always go according to plan, but you still end up where you're where you currently are and you can't do anything but love the journey. And that's that's one thing I love about just all of the peeps that I've been talking about talking to in the keto space is it's generally speaking it moves past the diet at one point or another. Because yeah, a lot of people start this because hey, I want to lose weight. I want those six pack abs. I want X, I want Y, I want Z, but they come for the weight loss, but they stay for everything else. Because it truly is a rebirth, a new version of whoever you were before. It's, it almost seems like we're trying to pass around Kool-Aid, but it's not. Yeah, it's like the keto cult. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, you'll be different when you're done with this. Truly. And that's the thing. I feel like so many people come to it for the weight loss. And I tell people when I, when I have a client and they're like, yeah, I want to lose this. I'm like, well, you know, maybe we should try doing something else. Because if you're coming to keto just for weight loss, like you're, there's so many other options, better options. You know, um, I've said a few times, like for me personally, I didn't come to keto to lose weight. Like I was already losing weight while stuffing my face full of cupcakes, donuts, and just intermittent fasting. So, you know, if that would have been the reason I started, I would have been sorely disappointed. Um, and it wasn't. But you know, everything that came from it, keto, literally the weight loss aspect has been the least of all the benefits. So. Um, you know, I think that's the thing that people really, really need to kind of lean in on and understand is like, you know, people start diets because they're trying to lose weight and, mm-hmm. and the diet in and of itself, like the thought process of a diet itself is something that's a temporary, temporary thing to achieve a goal. And because I have no goal, I only have the desire to continue getting better. Um, I don't have to look at being overwhelmed with all the change that needs to happen or the process that it'll take. I just, I could just focus on the right now. And the right now is you know, I have whatever the total carbs are that I'm following and I'm going to eat less than that and allow my body to kind of evolve from that. And, you know, I could, I could probably go really deep into this rabbit hole, but at the end of the day, I think that's the thing, you know, you mentioned the fact that it can get, you know, overwhelming when you look at it. And I feel like that's with almost anything, right? Depending on the perspective and the altitude at which you approach the viewpoint, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if I was like, I want to lift, you know, I don't know, let's just use a hundred pounds. I want to lift a hundred pounds, and I want to do 100 pounds 10 times. Okay, well, that's great. So now you're thinking about, all right, well, I want to, I want to lift 1,000 pounds. Well, now you're saying that you want to do that six days a week. So now you're at 6,000 pounds a week. And you want to do 6,000 pounds a week over the period of time of a month. Well, now you're sitting here like, oh, my goodness, I want, I'm going to have to move 24,000 pounds. 
Well, you know what? <laughs> you could just continue exponentially looking at how much weight's going to move over that period of time, you know, for the next year, for the next five years, et cetera. But just focus on that 100 pound lift that you have to do that one time, you know, and the overwhelming aspect of things dissipates and goes away. So, you know, I've lost 150 plus pounds on keto, but if I would have ever thought about losing 150 plus pounds when I started, I would have probably never continued, you know, um, and that's just the reality of it, right? Like that can't be the goal. That can't be the thing you focus on right now. It's just making good decisions at this moment in time and where you exist. Oh, I completely agree. That's why it's, it's about taking one step at a time at assessing where you are and where you want to be. Yes. You want to have a goal in mind. You want to have some kind of outcome because that helps figure out what your current decision needs to be. But don't, so many people get overwhelmed, like you're saying, with your 150 pound weight loss. If you're focusing on that's what I need to do, yeah, you're gonna, it, it's gonna be analysis paralysis and you're going to freeze and it's, you feel like there's nowhere to go because it's hard. But if you take it one day at a time and you slowly progress on a little bit better, just being a little bit better every single day, and yes, you're going to have slip-ups. It totally happens. Everybody has a cheat meal. It ha- <laughs> you don't want to try, but if it happens, allow yourself that. Allow it to happen. Or if you're that kind of person that needs to plan it, plan it and allow it to happen. Don't beat yourself up for it. Just understand that it happened and progress forward. And I love that it's not just about the weight loss with you because I completely agree it should be about the weight loss. A lot of people, especially right now since keto is the you know hottest diet trend a lot yeah, it's people, a new buzzword right a lot of people are coming for the weight loss but when i have clients that are coming for the weight loss it's like yes you can lose weight this way however you can also have a sustainable life this way it's easy to don't get me wrong it's not really easy but it's easy to not give in to the temptation of the cookies the donuts the cheesecake and the pizza and what's and whatnot it's it takes some time and you can get over those crutches and when you do it's like a whole new world's open up to you because i felt like once i went keto and i started off like primal and paleo and once i went from there to keto i just it was almost like a curtain had been lifted because i was able to be in control of myself again and that's what I love about eating this way. That's what I love about all of this because I'm able to feel like I am my own person again. Because before I felt like I was chained to food and now you're not. It's like, oh, it's been about 48 hours. I should probably grab some grub. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, it's crazy. And it almost seems like it's, Everything we've learned is sort of topped on its head, but not in a bad way, if that makes any sense. No, that listen, that makes complete sense. And I think that that's the thing that I wish people would kind of, you know, so many people look at keto and say, oh my goodness, it's so restricting. And it's that, that's the other thing. And it's like, no, for the first time, you're going to be able to relinquish the bondage that you have to the food that commands what and how you react and respond and actually have real freedom. You know, freedom is not the, oh my goodness, I'm stressed out. I can eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Freedom is, 
I know that I'm stronger and better than having to do this. And that's not the thing that my body actually needs and emotionally not responding to it that way. You know, I, I love starting off with the stoic aspect of things because it is the thought process that dictates everything else that comes after that. Every response, every reaction, every, every step along this journey is something that we can dictate. And that for me is extremely freeing, right? Like the absolute definition of bondage is the inability to make a decision that you want to make. Um, and if you want to be a better version of yourself, you want to not be overweight, you want to not have inflammation, you want to not you know, suffer from the disease states that have come from, the mental disorders, all of those things that come from the garbage that we put in our bodies, then what you're asking for is freedom and that's the way to do it. So, I mean, again, I don't, I don't want to like totally take this a path that you don't want to go, but I, I love it. I think it's, it's super, super important for, for people to recognize that what they've always known is not freedom. What they've always known is bondage. And, and keto really allows you to finally, for the first time, breathe fresh air. Oh, I completely agree. And we can take this wherever this conversation ends up going. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't care one way or the other. <laughs> People are probably listening like, this guy's a freaking hippie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I completely agree because so many people say that it's so restricting. How could you do that restrictive diet? And it's like, it's first off, bacon. Second off, steak. Third off, cheese. Fourth off, high fat. That's all the goodness. And also avocados, but you know. But it's Yeah, 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 for sure. Avocados have definitely got the honorable mention. Right? <laughs> avocados are special too. I feel like you have to make sure you take an account for those people that hate avocados but love guacamole. So guacamole too. Let's throw that in there. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I hate avocados by themselves, but once you add some salt, pepper, and lime, it's it's amazing. But game changer. Well, you know, but that's if you're not making it, right? But it, sure. I mean, yeah. True. You always want to make your guac because you never know what's going to be in there. This is this is absolutely true, and it lasts longer that way anyway. Um, man, that's great. So yeah, I don't I don't want to sound like a hippie, but the reality is that you know, for me again, like the thought process behind the direction and and how you go and how you achieve being able to better and improve yourself. I mean, it, it's going to all stimulate from the mind. Um, and that's the thing that I, I just really wish that people could embrace that. Right. And, and really then recognize like the addictions that we say we, we suffer from and face on a day to day. Right. Like, you know, I just had a client recently that reached out and was like, Oh my goodness, you know, I just can't, can I just not drink diet Coke? I'm like, well, not only are you not going to drink diet Coke anyway, but you've got to realize that alcoholics can't take a shot every day. Like that's not going to help them find sobriety just because they reduced their consumption. Like <laughs> they're alcoholics. Like that's not going to work. So, yeah, right. What I don't I don't understand where this you know thought processes come from. Like, no, you can't eat one cupcake every day. You can, but that's not going to allow you to actually break the cycle of addiction you're in. Like, it's just not going to work. So, why people you know attempt to do those things. You know, I'm not even going to mention the dirty words and phrases that people use to describe keto. Like there are no alternative versions. Okay. Like for me, it's like, you're going to eat properly and free yourself from the addiction that is food or you're not. 
and then you know there there lies the problem but um yeah and like you said with with all of your levels like who doesn't want to eat high fat bacon steak filled meals like come on it's it's just it's too delicious it really is mm-hmm. and once you get all the crap out of your diet you can taste the nuances that it, that are in food that are in actual food i know when i was eating oh goodness probably upwards of about three to 500 carbs a day because it was yum. But once I stopped doing that, and once I stopped having sugar as a crutch, I was able to taste the nuance in freaking broccoli. I can have broccoli and it tastes sweet. People facepalm all the damn time with that when I say it, but it's true. There's certain nuances in vegetables that you will not see if you're jamming yourself full of jelly-filled donuts. You just made me think of something when you said broccoli. Listen, so no one probably cares about the story, but I'm going to share it now anyway, because you gave me the freedom to take this wherever. (laughs) So um, when I first started keto, it was probably like three months into my keto way of eating, right? And um, at the time, I was still working a nine to five in corporate America and was on a uh, call with my boss at the time. And we stopped. We had some clients we had to take out to lunch. We take them to lunch and I ordered Brussels sprouts um, with bacon, right? Like that sounds great. And the Brussels sprouts came out and they had like a, uh, a balsamic reduction, vinaigrette reduction. And I tasted it. And seriously, I had a headache for the entire rest of the day because it was so sweet. And I only tasted it. Like I had a bite of a Brussels sprout and I was like, listen, I need this without any of this sauce on it. And I had a headache for the entire rest of the day. Like, and those are the kind of things where it's like, that that aspect of thought process is like how could something like that be that impactful but it really is and i think that's the thing that i I think maybe people miss right like they think oh well no it's only a little bit of sugar it's a little bit of that but it's like it's not only like the insulin and the glucose response from it but you know what is it doing to everything else in your body you know neurologically how is your body responding what does your gut biome look from ingesting that like like erythritol I never in a million years recognized until after I did just how much you jack up your gut biome and your digestion because of erythritol, you know, or soy or, or any of the other things that people should be avoiding. Um, I don't know. That stuff just, it, it drives me mad. (laughs) Oh yeah. And it's, it's everywhere, but back to what you were saying, (laughs) it's crazy just when you get away from the sugar, how sweet something can be, and just how a tailspin it can end you and you can end up in. It's crazy sauce because I mean, I know a lot of people don't like talking about it, but food addiction's a real thing. And like you were mentioning with you can't just have a shot a day and be perfectly fine. Moderation is a joke for those that are actually addicted to foods. Because you can't say, hey, 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 hey. So you're, these are the food pyramid. These are the things you're allowed to have. And just make sure that you eat everything in moderation except meat because apparently that's bad because of X, Y, Z. But everything else in moderation. What? First Who off, just said that? <laughs> Someone just said that meat was bad. And I was like, wait, are you kidding me right now? Right? And, and I, think I can't remember who it was. I think it's hilarious. Oh, it was an it was an IFBB pro. It's like it was, yes. Oh my goodness. The, again, tangent. Um, it was an IFBB pro who was doing a, a live video on Instagram, and someone was asking him questions about diet. And one of the 
the questions came in, can you, can you build muscle as a vegan? Mm-hmm. And his, his response was, um, he basically said like, no, that wouldn't be the, the approach he would take to really build muscle, but then said, granted, it's much, it's a much, much better form of eating. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, dude, what are you talking about right now? People are looking at you for nutritional advice and insight. And you said something as dumb as being vegan is a, is a nutritional benefit and positive over eating meat. Um, of course, I didn't say anything. I just swerved off the live. But um, those are the kind of things where it's like those misnomers, those lies. Those are the things that have us entrapped in the first place. Oh, yeah. it's. Uh, I work at a, a grocery store chain local to Texas, uh, H-E-B. And oh, I love it. Send me some folios. Some folios? Yeah. No way. Are you serious right now? I'm not joking. What's a folio? Okay, cool. So I'm going to change your life right now. I want you to go to your HEB locally. And if you go in this, the, um, like the refrigerated, not the produce section, but like the refrigerated, refrigerated area where they keep like the fresh cheese and the blocks of cheese. Folios are, yeah, like the deli area, but like, yeah, in in one of those cases. So they have a hundred percent cheese made tortillas. Yes. I did not realize that's what they were called. Oh, yes. Lolito is the company that makes them. Shout out to Lolitos. And um, they're called Folios. And we do not have them here in North Carolina as of yet. They're supposed to be rolling out to Aldi's nationwide here in the month of February, but I have yet to see them. Oh, good. Hey, if you want, no problem. Offline, if you want me to, I can totally send them to you. I totally forgot that's what they call. They are called. Yes, I, I, those are amazing. I've had those. Are they good? Because I'm, I'm over here like just wanting them and I've never had them yet. But I'm just like, yes, that's taco night. That's how Taco Tuesdays is supposed to be done. I like them, but honestly, I just get, I just go to the deli and I get them to slice the cheese super thin. And then I just heat them up like you would a folio. It's a little bit cheaper. Okay, fair enough. I'll have to try that. Just get it on a, if you want it about the same size as a folio, it'll be about a 0.5 or a 0.75 at any like the delicatessens where they actually slice off the meat. And yep, for sure. Just heat it up like you want a folio and it'll be just about the same. Hey, look at that. Mm-hmm. Way to pour into me. I appreciate it. it. No problem. Look at that. No, I won't. But now I have to, I got to try it either way. I'm going to do a comparison now. That, do it. Might as well. But anyways, I work at HEB and it's funny because you were talking about the vegan thing and everyone's like, Oh Megan, you're healthy. Right. Because I guess I look healthy or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I totally good. <laughs> right. And they're like, yeah, you must be doing like that vegan thing. And I was like, excuse me. I normally fast at work. So nobody really ever sees me eat because I don't like eating or it just, it slows me down. And yep, like, yeah, yep. you're, you're totally a vegan. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, I'm, I'm like one step away from carnivore. Yeah, like half a stop. I eat avocado every once in a while. So, hey, guacamole, not avocado. I have to. Your my correction, my correction. Thank you. Yes. Or nuts. But it's just funny that anytime anybody sees me, they automatically assume, oh, she's healthy vegan. I've gotten that like five times. I'm like, do I just seem that crazy? Yeah, or weak. Right. (laughs) The reason I say crazy is my. Wife's mom is a, we call her crazy vegan because uh, she's, she's a wonderful person. She's just very steadfast in her vegan beliefs. And she believes that we're killing our son by feeding him meat. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, there's that. Right? Talk about a showstopper. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what's funny though is that most vegans have that thought process and I'm just like, have you looked at the rest of you vegans? Right. I, listen, my mother, my mother-in-law is, she might as well be a vegan. Every once in a while, she'll have like a piece of salmon, but not nearly enough or a chicken breast. And I mean like really rare, mm-hmm. but you know, if you look at like the balance and you know, the inability to regulate her own temperature and just so many different things, I'm like, this is because you're, you're missing out on all the micronutrients you really need that you think you're getting from the vegetables and things you're eating and you're not. And it's so sad. Yeah. Because the conversion rate is horrible when it comes to plant materials and then the conversion into actual usable substrates for our bodies. But if you, if you're doing a vegan diet, make sure you supplement properly. I, I, we've talked about this a few times on my podcast and it's make sure you at least get vitamin B12 at least along with a proper fat soluble set of vitamins because you're probably not getting enough fat unless you're a keto vegan. And in that case, you're at least, you at least are a leg up from the Dean Ornishes of the world. Yeah. No kidding. And yeah, I mean, but again, it's trying to say that stuff where people actually lean in and take the information to heart and actually, you know, walk it out. And I, it's so funny to me, the more and more carnivores that I see that have been vegan for years prior and it just blows my mind. And it's like, okay, well, how long is it going to take before you're finally sick enough to feel like, okay, I have to make a drastic change and you start eating meat Yeah, because I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It, It truly is. And I don't, I don't want to harp on people who don't want to eat meat for ethical reasons more on you. Just understand that that's not optimal. If you want to do it, I can't force you to eat meat. Well, I technically could, but I wouldn't because I'm not like that. But just make sure you're doing, you know, you're supplementing smart if you choose not to eat meat and understand that it's not 100% optimal. I, can we, let's pause here for a second if you don't mind. No, you're good. So when people say... <laughs> ethical reasons i'm assuming that you're alluding to the fact that like there are people and listen i own six dogs i'm a canine trainer mm-hmm. i've been training police and military dogs for going on 19 years right so like i love animals mm-hmm. having said that though i feel like a lot of people think that livestock are just treated inhumanely and so that's why they don't want to eat them is that what you were alluding to oh no it's just it's alluding to whatever your ethical bent is i understand that Personally, I don't do feed feedlot meat. If I eat meat, right. I make sure it's properly raised. And honestly, even the feed like the meat that is off the shelves, generally speaking, they're only in a feedlot the last I think what three years, three months of their life. Because if they're on the feedlot any longer, they could basically die because corn is does crazy stuff to their body just like it does ours. But yeah, okay. What, what I'm alluding to is just some people cannot eat anything with a face, and that's more of what I was alluding to, because oh, okay, okay. Some people, I have a friend. Uh, she's a vegetarian. She eats eggs and stuff still, but she just she cannot get over the fact that taking another another life, even though I think personally, I believe there's a little cognitive dissonance there because she also eats soy, and I'm like you. You can't when you when they have soy, they end up killing so many field mice in that that it's crazy. But I guess since it's removed and cleaner in her eyes, it seems more of a okay option to have the soy. But I'm hmm. not in any. I completely I live with that. 
I know that a lot of farmers treat their animals very well. And an animal that is in captivity has so much more, I guess, rights and privilege, <laughs> as much as animals can, than one that would be in the wild. Because, you know, I see deer around me all the time, and some of them look so very emaciated because they have nothing to eat. However, if you go to a farm, any farm that will allow you to browse the, you know, their area, which most of them will, they treat their animals so well, even though they're not technically grass-fed, grass-finished. Because the farmers do care about their animals, and sometimes they do have to ship them off to a feedlot. That's what we generally want as a society. That's what we've been putting our money towards, so that's what we end up Yeah, exactly. And the way I make sure to change that is by giving my money to the farmers that I want to employ. But honestly, it's they have amazing lives. It's not like those PETA videos from the 80s or the 90s anymore. Yeah, at one time it was, but it's not like that anymore because it was shown that it was so bad. And it's... <sighs> Sorry. When I was talking about ethical, that's what I was talking about. Not necessarily that. No, listen, I love it. I love the, to the topic and the way we kind of got into it. At the end of the day, I think that... Uh, I can't remember who it was now, but... Uh, I was talking with someone and they were basically, you know, in response to that and life and animals and the face and all that stuff. They were like, so what does that mean? Plants are dead? Because I'm pretty sure that there are plenty of people out there that are like, oh, I don't have a green thumb, you know, whenever I'm, mm -hmm. you know, trying to care for a plant or whatever, like it dies. Mm -hmm. Well, if, order, if, if it dies, that means at some point in time it had to be alive. So what you're saying is you're okay killing a vegetable or killing a plant, but you're not okay with killing an animal. But how does that, you're, you're, you know, you're basically placing value on life, one life over another, mm -hmm. but it's still life. So have you ever read the uh, vegetarian myth by, I'm forgetting the name of the author. The short answer to that is no, I have not. However, I'll be open to it. <laughs> it's a book that deconstructs the, uh, the reasons for being a vegetarian, like the ethical, the environmental and there was another one, I'm blanking on it, but uh, Leah Keith, that's her name. And she wrote The Vegetarian Myth. She was a radical vegan for a, a large part of her life until she ended up being, um... do you know who Ann Shilters is? Yes. Uh, she ended up in a very similar situation to where it, her body basically fought against her veganism. And then she decided hmm. to eat meat again and while she was doing it, it was sort of like a, she almost hated having to plant because of that fact, because she would have to put down, she would have to kill the slugs so the slugs wouldn't eat her veggies. And then there was a cognitive dissonance because she was like, okay, what am I going to do? I need to eat, but if I put down pesticides, it'll kill the, the slugs. I, I don't want to do that. And then so what she ended up doing is she would like carry these slugs to another area so her veggies would be fine and she wouldn't have to put down the, you know, uh, insecticide. And then she's like, what am I doing? This is crazy. And then it was when she was trying to plant her garden, there was the, the what should call the mulch she was using was like bone meal and blood to fertilize her uh, garden. She's like, I can't uh -huh. do this because there literally is dead things in my plants. And it was just... 
So the story as it unfolds is just she's dismantling all the arguments against veganism or vegetarianism and veganism as well. And it's just, it's an amazing story and it's a great book. And it goes through all of the, why the vegetarian nonsense is nonsense sometimes. I'll have to check that out. I love it. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm, I just think people think I'm like anti-plants or something, which I'm not. I absolutely love grass when it's being fed to the cow that I'm going to eat. <laughs> I can completely agree. And as long as it's not an avocado to an animal, because that can be dead. <laughs> you mean guacamole? Well, either one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't the either avocado or guacamole, and I'm pretty sure they're not very good with my shades. True story. True story indeed. And that's why we should eat it and not feed it to the animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. I love it. Right? So tell me a little bit more about yourself there, sir. So, I mean, for me, the whole keto thing, I, I alluded to the fact that I stuffed my face and lost weight with intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I turned to keto initially, it was just to kind of improve my neurological function. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. That was That was my main goal in life. I felt like... I was working really hard at that point. Um, my wife and I had started a business and, you know, I really just felt like I was working for corporate America. We started this business. I was still trying to be a stellar husband and I would get home or be done with work and be dead to the world. And I was just like, I, I need, I need more capacity. And so that was why I kind of looked at keto was being able to unlock more of my brain capacity and potential to be better. So that for me, I think is why it set my, my journey out to say, this isn't about weight loss. It's about being able to be a better version of myself. Like but that. in understanding that, you know, that was the thing that really just blew my mind because I felt like, yeah, weight loss was great. But the way I felt was just, it was, it's pretty much, I've never felt this way. I've never, ever felt this good. Like middle school, I would say I started sleeping somewhere around five or six hours a night. Because I had sports and I had school and I had training before school. And so I just, I didn't sleep a lot and I was really used to that. And so, you know, when I started the whole keto thing, I remember after my hellish first three days, you know, I slept for 10 hours with a 90% rate of efficiency in my sleep, which was just something I never really knew. Mm -hmm. I, I could never recall a time prior to keto that that happened. So, you know, as I did that and then, you know, yeah, weight was falling off and that good stuff, but just my ability to work and be more human, you know, to have a higher level of control over my emotions because I wasn't always tired and grumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't have these huge swings in my emotional state and how I felt like it's to the point where if someone were to ask me right now, no, and this is no joke, I have been working so hard for the last several years, um, keto that I just had the conversation the other day where I was like, Dude, you got you have to dial it back, like you have to, um, because I I mean I feel good when I'm doing a million things at a time, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the thing I should be putting on my body, right? It's like the person that's like, oh yeah, I work out seven days a week. Well, that's fine, but if you don't factor in some kind of time to to do to a do do it like a deload or allow your body to come back from that stress, you're just constantly in this environment of high cortisol, high impact, and that's where I've been like for for so long right now. It's just been grinding away and you know being able to take take the moment like my wife was just talking to me earlier she's like friday is going to be the first night that you haven't worked in i don't know a year um 
you know, and it's after I work a full day working our, our own businesses and stuff like that. And then I would work until like three o'clock in the morning and then I'd wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and keep it going again. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Like I'm, I'm super pumped to find out what I'm going to do with my Friday evening. I have no idea. Um, yeah, but you know, that kind of stuff just really led me to sharing like the impact that it was having with people and just, you know, kind of talking about it. And I feel like once you really identify a, a passion, which passion comes from practicing something, I don't think people are just born with passion for something. I think passion is grown as you practice it and as it impacts you. So as I started sharing it with people, I just realized, oh my goodness, there's so many people that don't really understand what this is. Like they have no idea. They're just completely ignorant to it. And I know I was. Um, so I don't know, it's evolved into to this these moments where I'm talking to people like you and having the ability to help impact hopefully whoever's listening to me. And that still blows my mind, by the way, that people want to listen to me talk. Uh, I think that's crazy. You're like, I, well, thank you. I guess I just feel like I'm not that special. You don't want to actually listen to me talk. Um, you're not, but yeah, this. yes, yes, you're <laughs> true. I'm not, not at all. And so, um, though I do feel sometimes, you know, especially in, in an odd way, but, uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that I feel, um, more people need to know. So I'm, I'm all about locking my arms with individuals like yourself um, to help educate and inform and, and give people the ability to access this freedom. Um, because that to me, I think is just so important that we all get to this place where, you know, we recognize that, you know, we can be better, we can feel better, we can live longer, we can not have the constant fear of the cancer that exists in the world we live in right now. And so many other things by, you know, adjusting what we put in our bodies right it's crazy how much something like carbohydrates or inflammatory or oils or crap sugars can just f with us on a metabolic cellular gut level because it's it's just it's crazy because if anything else that was not a food product that altered our mind as much as that stuff can and keeps us from being the, what we are without it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on another episode of the Thriving on Fat podcast. As always, I've been your host, and today, or yeah, we had special guest Keto Neo on the line, so I do thank him again for coming and chatting with me. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you can do so on all of those platforms at thrivingonfat.com, at thrivingonfat. If you'd like to check out the show notes for this episode, it'll be at thrivingonfat.com forward slash hey, listen. And if you'd like what you've heard, please rate and review and subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about Keto Neo, the man, the myth, the legend himself, you can do so at theketomatrix.com where all of his information is housed. You can also join his Facebook, the, his Facebook group, The Keto Matrix Keto Neo. And if you'd like to check him out on Instagram, you can do so at Keto Neo. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. And I hope you enjoyed the first half of this two-parter. With that, ladies and gentlemen, catch you later.